Over the seven years students have been doing this, more than 500 cards have been sent on behalf of the people here. You can take a picture of you and Maddie together with your card and save yeah. it. It changed my life. It made me like, realize that not everyone here is the same. They all have different stories. Can I send one to for you? Um, send one to, um, oh my God, I'm going to start crying. No. She hasn't seen her daughter for more than 10 years. When's the last time you talked to her? Oh, I was in jail. Yes. <laughs> for me, um, it, it's a time of reflecting about things in your past and, you know what, and thinking about things and maybe kind of wishing maybe things turned out different. Uh, just say, um, hello, Wendy. This is your crazy mom, and I still love you. It's, yeah. Love is the word that is used most often. I don't use the word hero very often uh, in, to describe people uh, in my life, but I have used that word to describe Christy Blakeway. Um, I had uh, uh, the privilege of connecting with Christy um, over five years ago when she was um, a little bit earlier on in the stage that uh, she is now. That clip you just uh, heard, watched, was uh, a news report about the work that she and her students have been doing in the inner city of uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, uh, Project HELLO, which stands for uh, Helping Everyone Locate Loved Ones. And so she, uh, in a nutshell, th there's, there's a lot more parts to this uh, story, but in a nutshell, she uh, brings students down into inner city, um, East Hastings Street in, in Vancouver, and they talk to homeless people and they help them connect to their loved ones and, and whether it's Christmas cards or just connecting in some ways she's got amazing stories about about how she's done that um, and it's just uh, it's just such an incredible inspiring story and uh, it was uh, certainly my privilege and my pleasure to be able to speak with Christy and talk a little bit about the, the sort of the history of where this all began and uh, what she's been doing with uh, Project Hello and Beyond Hello. So this is my interview with uh, Christy Blakeway. So um, I started out as a secondary teacher. Then um, after a few years, I became a secondary counselor and really loved working with kids and learning their stories. Um, said I would never be a school administrator. My mom was a, a school principal, so I knew that I would do anything in life besides that. Um, but somehow I then turned into my mother and uh, went into admin. I've been a principal at both secondary and elementary and um and yeah so that's kind of the background and then but probably through that counseling experience i would say i got really interested in the stories behind people's behavior and i've always um sponsored leadership groups with students as well and searched for opportunities for our kids to be able to give back in the community and um so kind of came up with the idea of doing some outreach work with our kids to connect with uh, people who are living on the streets well, and that sort of takes us, that's the transition piece to uh, how we first uh, got connected. And I don't know if you want to tell the story we were just sharing about before I started the recording, but you want to just share a little bit about, because uh, I always think 
when I think about all the really cool people that I know, I always I love it when I have a bit of an origin story of, of how how we became connected. So I don't know, maybe you share it and I'll fill in any gaps that I think are missing. But yeah, sure. So Dean was in Vancouver and hosting an Ignite night and and I think had a kind of pre-existing relationship with some of the contacts who were speaking that night that were um, I think it was five minute talks with the 20 slides advancing that said kind of tell your story and I was kind of the unknown that uh, through a friend of a friend said hey do you want to put in an application to do this and so I got up and uh, told the story about the work that we had been doing for a few years and I was saying to Dean that um, well, we were talking about how it's the the first time that I had been asked to kind of publicly speak about um, the work that I was doing with students and um, yeah, so I shared the story and then from there it kind of spiraled. I think that one of the guests who was hosting a TED event came rushing over in the first minute and said, can you do a TED talk or a TEDx talk? I was like, sure. So it went from there and and that was years ago and now I share our story uh, in, in many ways. So so thanks well, for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, thank you because uh, I, I think about it and, and uh, so that was Craig Kent, uh, mm-hmm. Cantley, who was there yeah. and, and, and he had me do a TED talk a few years before that. So that was, I had connect with Craig and, and, uh, Craig actually through, through many of those ignite, uh, sessions, got a few different people that ca- came on his horizon, but yours was such, you mentioned your mother, um, was an mm-hmm. educator and I don't know if I knew that, but I remember from your talk, mm-hmm. specifically you talking about your mother's influence on you in terms of, and, and for people that are that are uh, listening right now, we haven't really explained exactly what it is mm-hmm. that you do, what, what, why I'm asking you. So, so maybe you can uh, sort of take that story of, of your mother, your mother's influence on you, and then um, talk a little bit about where, of, of the work that you've been doing for the past number of years. Sure. So I think that particular night I called my talk, um, well, I forget the exact wording, but uh, something about talking to strangers. And so uh, while lots of parents raise their kids and encourage people not to talk to strangers, my mom was the opposite. And so um, she kind of believed, as I do, that everyone has a story and she she talks to everyone. And right from a young age, if there was someone in need in the community, she would just you know, even if I was shy and saying, no, I don't want to, she was like, go ask them if they need anything. And so um, that was kind of her philosophy. And, um, and so when I was working with students, I was in Coquitlam at the time and had this amazing group of leadership students who really wanted to make a difference in Vancouver. And they wanted to go to the downtown east side of Vancouver, which is Canada's poorest neighborhood, and um, has thousands of people living on the streets within six blocks. And so um I came up with the idea in I guess 2000 how do I not remember the years 20 2010 um we came up with the idea of um we well initially we were going to go to the streets and have our students hand out food and clothing like many organizations do and right before our trip there was an article in the paper about how many schools and churches were doing that at Christmas time especially And so I decided to cancel our field trip and the students were devastated um, because they wanted that feeling of giving. So that led to a conversation about if it's actually about us that we like going and helping people. What about our uh, people who are living on the streets? Do they ever get that feeling of giving to others? And so we thought about what could we give people that they could then give to others and experience that joy. So I had a ton of scrapbooking stuff in a room because at one point in my life, I had a scrapbooking room, but then when I had a second child, he needed a bedroom and the scrapbooking stuff all went to the closet. So um, 
I had all this extra card making material. So I offered that to my students and said, what if we make blank cards, take them to the streets and invite people to just take our Christmas cards and give them to others um, in their community that they wanna say Merry Christmas to, knowing that they probably don't have the money or resources to be buying Christmas cards. Um, and so we thought that most people would take our cards and give them to others in the community, but uh, we had this wish that what if one person says, hey, like, can you mail the card for me and could it lead to a reconnection? So that was kind of our backup plan of maybe one person will do that. Um, so yeah, we, we headed to the streets of what was meant to be a one day field trip for three hours. And um, I think that first day, nine people wrote cards and asked us to try and find their families. And um, the one thing about teenagers is they're really good at using the internet and they're good at finding people. So we had no idea what we were doing, but we started like phoning wrong numbers and searching the internet. And uh, in that first day, we were able to connect a number of families. So of course the families were overjoyed and said, can you go back and deliver this message? And so it just all of a sudden started as a one day trip. And well, actually that was 2000, December, 2009, and we're now in 2022 and it's still going. So it's uh, it just spiraled into a huge project of um, our kids helping people reconnect with family they've lost touch with. Well, and there's two things that you, you mentioned there that I think those are really counterintuitive notions. First of all, the, the idea that your mother invited you to talk to strangers because we live in such a safety conscious world and, you know, mm -hmm. we are so fearful. So that's, you know, thinking about, uh, I'd love you to talk, first of all, how that uh, you've sort of in not just from your own upbringing, but how you've how you've sort of helped others to sort of get past that very common notion. And then the second very counterintuitive thing you mentioned was the fact that your your intent was to to help these uh, people who are disadvantaged to be able mm -hmm. to like give them an opportunity to give and to to mm -hmm. mail, which is we're always wanting to do things for them instead of mm -hmm. giving them an opportunity so that they can give back too, which is again seems like very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to speak to like how you help yeah. people overcome those because those those are like, well no no, we, we would just help them. Like they don't they can't do it. Don't anything. help us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you're you're absolutely right. Like we started out um with that our absolute purpose at the beginning was we're gonna go help people on the streets. And when we shifted it to we're going to go give people an opportunity to um, to give to others, the experience became so meaningful that the first thing the kids said was the kids were constantly saying they were getting more out of it than they were giving. Um, I remember one group of students was so insulted because they were these awesome leaders. And for the 2010 Vancouver Olympics, they had a contest to pick one group of students for British Columbia where they would each get to run with the torch. And so um, the kids that were involved with Project Hello um, with me, which stands for helping everyone locate loved ones, um, they came with, they put together a video with me and applied to be torchbearers. And they won for British Columbia. So those, myself and all of those students each had a turn running with the Olympic torch. So after that experience, I asked the kids to compare, like what, what was more meaningful to you, running with the Olympic torch or doing this work on the streets? And they were so mad at me for even asking that question. They were like, how could you even compare? The torch is cool, but this has been like life-changing for them to hear the stories and realize how much it was impacting them. And it's been neat to see how many of the students involved have gone on to switching their careers into that really kind of helping type professions. Some of them have started charities. Some of them are counselors. Some of them are nurses. Um, and so 
Yeah, and that, it, it, my, I got to give my mom credit because this is who she is. But she she always says there's no such thing as a problem. There's only solutions, and and she's just I don't know. She's a league of her own. She's not shy, and so um, I think there's always that nervousness at first. Um, and what we've done is with students, we've said like there's different entry points. Some kids are comfortable helping us search for families, but they might not be comfortable walking through um, a neighborhood where there's a lot of people on the streets. Whereas um, when people feel ready to go, we do like a training in advance and just talk about the importance of doing simple things like making eye contact, um, smiling at people to, to trust your gut, just like you would if you were walking through the mall, if you needed to ask someone for directions, you would use your own judgment about who to ask and who to maybe keep walking. So we, um, and usually after people have gone once, their big takeaway is like, wow, it's not what I expected. Everyone is so nice and everyone was so kind and so appreciative. And um, as one student said, when he was speaking to city council, he said, as a teenager, if he went to the streets and helped, people were thankful and receptive. If he goes into the grocery store, they're asking him to put his backpack at the door and treating him like he was a criminal. So he was like, I'm actually treated better <laughs> by sometimes by the people on the streets than I am in my own community. So, um, yeah, there's, there is that nervousness until people experience it, but truly we've had so many life-changing stories where people have reached out and, and trusted the students and I with their stories. And, um, we've been able to make connections and reunite families. And it's just been, I don't know, it's been really powerful for the kids and myself. Well, and you know, this, the, my whole premise behind this was talking about people's passions and interests outside the classroom. And I know you've, you've dove in and, and explained mm -hmm. really the connections you have to the classroom, but I also know that this is something that you have done with your boys. Uh, I think your husband's probably been involved in it too. So can you talk mm -hmm. just a little bit about the things that you, and maybe it's not exactly in the same context, but your commitment to um, connecting with uh, with the homeless in Vancouver that you've done from a personal side with with your family? Well, it's interesting because when you and I were talking before you were recording, you were talking about how most often when you talk to educators about their passion outside of school, it's that kind of grounding type, you know, escape type things. And you were saying how mine's different. And it's kind of funny because as the more time goes on, um, when I get out of the car and I am in that neighborhood, that there for me, it is such a sense of um, like I completely decompress because it puts life in perspective. If I think I'm stressed or think I'm feeling sorry for myself about whatever it might be, uh, you know, I go there and I leave thinking, you know, the only thing we should be doing is saying thank you for, for the lives that we have. And when I hear the stories of people on the streets, if I had the experiences they had had growing up, I wouldn't be where I am. So um for me, there's a, that kind of calm comfort and even little things like there's no sense of urgency when you're taking time to have conversation with people who are, who are living on the streets because they don't have those same deadlines. They crave the emotional connection. They might have access to food and housing, but they don't have those relationships. And so time kind of stands still for the most part, it's changing, but for a long time, I would say that the people on the streets don't have cell phones. So when you're having a conversation with them, they're not texting at the same time. Um, they're present and they're very, um, in many ways, it's a very non-judgmental space where, you know, everyone in the neighborhood is, life has not gone well. And so there is that, in a way, there's a sense of acceptance and resilience. And, um, and so even though we started out helping them, um, 
what you recognize is, is how much you have in common and how strong the people are that are, are living in those circumstances. And so uh, we shifted our, our project from initially, it was called Project Hello for helping everyone locate loved ones. And we intentionally shifted it for, to Beyond Hello where we take more time and hear their stories and focus on sharing those stories with the rest of the world. Because really, if there's someone we would like to help, it's the general public and shifting their perception of people on the streets and shifting that judgment that that um, that happens and how as a society, we are so quick to push people to the outskirts if they are not fitting in and, and, and really blaming people for their circumstances rather than, um, you know, empathizing of where would we be if we had had those same life experiences. So yeah, it is kind of my my outlet. And I know when I get stressed or sad about anything that I need to get back there. And my kids have come with me and many of my friends have come. My husband kind of jokes with me because um, he's actually scared to ever like try and plan a date night because it's never two of us. Uh, I always invite like a third homeless person to come join us at dinner. And so like, if he asked me what I wanted to do for a date, it would be like, well, let's go find someone and take them out. And he's like, do we ever go the two of us? Like, not really, no. So. <laughs> so that's well, it reminds me of, a, um, uh, I was listening, I think it was, I think it was the, the happiness lab podcast and they, they do a really nice job of, of bringing in a lot of research around happiness. And, and the one episode was talking about um, uh, organ givers, mm. the people who have given an organ and how they, they don't just want to give one, they want to keep going because they said like, no, 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 this is, yes, I get it. We're helping someone else and that's amazing. He says, but it's selfishly, this is, this is, it is just a rush. It's a, yeah. um, you know, it's something that I just want to do. And like they're, they're right. saying, it's crazy the number of organ donors who have given more than one organ. Like, they sure. said, it's, like you can't even, and, and because they talk about what a transformative experience it is, you know, sometimes they meet the people they give it to. Sometimes they don't, but yeah. there's just, you know, it's uh, as you're yeah. listening to this, what, what I'm hearing you saying is that it's a, on a similar scale, it's like, no, no, this is, I get so much of this because I feel like, you know, I'm doing the right thing and I'm in the right place and with the right people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, in a very strange way, I just said to someone the other day, like, I'm not a smoker. I've never smoked. I have no plans of ever smoking. But when I smell smoke now, it used to be gross. Now when I smell smoke, it's almost that comforting feeling because I, it reminds me of the downtown east side of Vancouver. And I'm like, <laughs> that's that comforting smell. <laughs> awesome. Um, is there like, and I know you, you shared one really amazing story uh, in your mm -hmm. talk and, and I'm sure you have, I know you have uh, mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and, and just, I think the, the sheer fact that you have brought together and I'm sure it's now in the thousands of people have connected, like it's, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. amazing how many people you have. Is there like, is there a story that you, that just sort of is, is always on your, uh, kind of comes to the fore when you think about all the cool stuff you've been able to support yeah. and build? I mean, there, there are so many, but I'm going to go back to the one that I shared that night. And the reason is because there's so much that's even happened since then. And so uh, even up to just last week, it's just the story that just never ends. It's just nuts. So um, the night that I spoke with you, I told the story of Cindy and um, Cindy had um, given birth to a child in Ontario when she was a teenager and then had come to Vancouver. Uh, she was in an abusive relationship and knew that she wasn't able to care for her daughter. So she had given her up for adoption and come to Vancouver. Um, she had struggled on the streets in Vancouver. Um, and when we met her, she, she was actually suicidal. She was living um, HIV positive with heroin addiction, hepatitis. 
And the one thing that really kept her alive was that she had always wanted to meet her daughter, Paige. Um, and uh, so I shared that there. And um, all we knew was Paige's first name and that Paige had been adopted in Ontario. And we knew her birthday, but we didn't have a last name. So I felt horrible because I thought I've opened up all these wounds and how will I ever find someone with just a first name? Um, I did get some letters from Facebook thinking I was a stalker and threatening to take away my account. But uh, once we got through that barrier, we were able to find, miraculously find Paige in Ontario. Um, and when we did, Paige said to us that um, she was actually familiar with the neighborhood because she had read Dr. Gabor Matei's book in the realm of hungry ghosts. And in that book, um, she had picked it up because she was in Ontario, she was pregnant herself and she had struggled with addiction and she bought his book to help herself and try and stay clean during her pregnancy. And in the book, there was a specific chapter about a woman living in Vancouver who had struggled with addiction while she was pregnant and desperately wanted to, to break those habits to keep her baby. Um, what she had no idea at the time was that she was reading about her own birth mom, Cindy. So Cindy had had her second she had had Paige when she was in Ontario. She'd come to Vancouver, struggled with addiction for years and years. Um, and it was about 20 years later, she gave birth to her, her second child in Vancouver. Um, so Paige had no idea. She had even written to Dr. Gabor Matei and said, this woman in the book, Celia, changed my life. She had no idea. So when we went back to Cindy and said, hey, do you know, have you ever heard of this book? She was like, that's my doctor in the book. My name's Celia. So, so that was the first kind of miracle. And um, and we stayed in touch and, and Dr. Gabor Matei uh, met with Paige and Cindy when we did a reunion with them and um, flew Paige here to Vancouver. Um, but then in 20, I think, well, maybe about 2019, I forget which year, um, I wrote my own book uh, called Beyond Hello. Um, and there was a family that was reading my book in the Kootenays in British Columbia. And when they read this story, they thought, well, we adopted a baby that was born in Vancouver, um, whose birth mom's name was Cindy. And um, so they messaged me and they said, we think we might be raising Cindy's second daughter um, with the story in the book. The date seemed to align. Could you ask her what her baby's name was at birth? And we can see if it's a match. And so it was a match. And so um, when their daughter was in grade nine, it was right at the start of the pandemic. And um, and Cindy was still with the birth father, Ron, uh, her partner. And so um, we were able to facilitate a reunion via Zoom so that Cindy and Ron could meet the baby that they had, that Gabor had talked about in his book, who had gone into ministry care and then eventually be adopted. Um, so for the last three years, we've helped Cindy um, and Ron reach out and connect with their daughter and her adoptive parents and build that relationship. And just about maybe two weeks ago now, um, unfortunately, Ron passed away. The dad, he passed away um, this Christmas. And so Cindy phoned me about two weeks ago and she said she had a surprise for me. Um, and she asked if I was still in touch um, with her daughter and their family. And I said, yes. And so she said that when Ron and her lost custody of their daughter on the downtown east side based on their addiction, they were heartbroken, but they knew that they knew they didn't have the ability at that time to raise her. But what they did is they opened up a bank account together. And despite their addiction, every month, if they could, they put $20 in that account and they never touched it. And uh, two weeks ago, it reached $5,000. And they phoned me 
and or Cindy Fomey and said their plan had always been to try and find her family and pay for part of her post-secondary. So they had me reach out to their daughter's family. And even then, like, I still have my own judgment. I thought, does she really have 5,000? Is this really happening? And, um, you know, I felt bad. I got a phone call saying, can you come tonight? I've gone to the bank. Can you come to the downtown east side and pick up the money? And I'm like, I'm going to take $5,000 from someone who lives on the streets. It seems backwards, but <laughs> I did. And my friends are like, you crazy. So Cindy and I went out for dinner and she, yeah, she was able to withdraw 5,000 from her account and we were able to transfer it to their daughter for her post-secondary because she's currently in grade 11. So um, yeah, it just, that story, it just keeps um, keeps going. Uh, Gabor Matei just reached out to me again and invited Cindy and I to go for dinner with him uh, in the coming weeks. So it just, yeah, it keeps spiraling and it's still going. Well, and that's such an amazing story, but yet I know that that uh, you've got so much more. And so, uh, and you, I know you shared a few in your, in your book. And so we'll make sure that people uh, can, can, uh, can access that. Um, so just as we wrap up, um, oftentimes I ask people how their work connects to them as, as educators. Yours is, well, cause you're actually doing it with kids, but I guess I just, maybe my last question will be, um, uh, number one, like, if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking what a cool idea and you know we've got you know we've got a homeless population um, how would I like what would you what would you advise them in terms of getting started or, or what they might want to think about if if, if they're interested in, in exploring yeah this? for sure so we've had a few cities start um, doing our project in their community so um, on our website we have a website that's www.beyondhello.org. And um, we tell stories there, but there is also a tab there that is around getting started. So um, people can go there to see some of the first steps and advice that um, we've listed, but they're always welcome to reach out to me. My contact information is on there as well. And people are always welcome to reach out. And quite often I will Zoom with students and their teacher um, to share our stories, but also ask questions um, or answer questions for students as they get started. And um, I invite students as well to share their experiences on my blog so that um, we can learn from them as well. Um, we actually had a group in Hawaii that started our project for Mother's Day. And um, I was hoping they would fly me to Hawaii to explain how to fold the cards, but they managed to figure it out on their own. So uh, we borrowed that idea back from them. So now we do our project nice. at Mother's Day and Christmas. So yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd love to connect with anyone who wants to get started or share ideas. Well, and I'm sure there, and there's no shortage of uh, curricular connections and how this, you know, uh, aligns with so many things. But, but uh, maybe one last question, though. I said that was the last question. But what about impact from students? So do you have any students who either, you know, I'm sure there's, there's obviously that immediate impact that happens when they, when they do it. But I'm, what, I'm wondering if you have any stories about students maybe a couple years down the line who yeah. maybe come back and talk about either the impact or maybe something that they're doing differently. So how's yeah. it been for students? It's been awesome. So, so many, the one neat thing is that um, the, the first group of students that started it with me in 2009, they were in grade 10 that year. So um, I have no idea how old that makes them now, but a lot older than that. Um, and so a number of them have graduated from university, but they're still involved. So it, it often seems like our, we now have it that our elementary students make cards, our secondary students come to the streets with me. And our university students sometimes join us on the streets, but they do a lot of the research, uh, helping make the connections. And so, um, you know, we have one student who's stayed actively involved from for, well, 
how many years has it been now? 2009 till 2022, about 13 years. So um, many of them have switched career paths. One of the, of the four kids who started, one is into kind of every social justice cause. One is a counselor. Um, one, one works in corporate world, but very focused on social good and giving back. And um, many of our students have written about how it's impacted them and they've just really made sure they're going into that helping type profession and, and including people's stories. So it's been, it's been really life-changing. A ton of our students are lucky to have gained many scholarships for their work and um, it's been really rewarding for our kids and, and for me. Well, and I just, again, thank you so much for your inspiration. Uh, I just think you're one of the coolest uh, people that I know. And I, I will tell you this, uh, although I don't live really anywhere where there's a lot of homeless, when I am in cities of the homeless, you come to mind. And when I pass by homeless people, uh, maybe I'll give them a dollar, but I will stop and say how we're, like I, I go beyond that. So you've taught me a little bit. And again, I know it's not even anything compared to all the really amazing stuff you've done, but you've had an impact on me and I know on so many others and especially the lives of of uh, all those folks on East Hastings and in Vancouver. Um, uh, so thank you so much and I just wish you well and I hope people do reach out to you because I, I think this is just such a, an, uh, in some ways a simple, but a certainly amazing um, mm -hmm. initiative to, to think about having in your community. Awesome. And, and I totally respect it for some people walking down and talking to people right on the street might be out of their comfort zone. But I think if we apply it to um, our work and our schools and whatever context we're in, even our families, there's always someone who's a little bit on the fringe that people aren't noticing. And so just to take that time and make eye contact and see people and invite them in a bit for a cup of coffee or to hear their story, or even if you are passing someone on the street to ask them their name and just have that quick conversation makes a world of difference. So thank you for that. I love hearing that. Thank you. I well, appreciate you. Take good care. Have a great rest of the school year. Thank you. Thank you so All much. Right. In touch. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.